Welcome to How I Work, a show about the tactics used by leading innovators to get so much out of their day. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm an organizational psychologist, the CEO of Inventium, and I'm obsessed with finding ways to optimize my workday. Today's show is another My Favorite Tip episode where I go through the back catalogue of How I Work interviews and I pick out my favorite tip from the interviews that I have done. My guest today is Eddie Perfect. Eddie is a singer-songwriter, an actor, a comedian, and currently has not one but two shows on Broadway, King Kong and Beetlejuice. Australian listeners might know Eddie from playing Mick Holland in Offspring, and theatergoers might be familiar with some of Eddie's work, such as Shane Warne the Musical and Vivid White. In this extract of my chat with Eddie, I asked him about how he dealt with bad reviews. And if you're listening to this and thinking, how does that relate to me? I think there are so many parallels to be drawn from artists that receive bad reviews and the types of reviews that the rest of us receive at work from customers and peers and our boss, if we have one. The only difference is really that your reviews are probably not as public as the ones that Eddie has received. So here is Eddie talking about how he thinks about and deals with bad reviews. But I'm still writing, you know, like bigger and bigger and better things, despite the fact that I can't remember the last time I got a good review. Like I, uh, it's like, and I think some particularly uncharitable <laughs> person wrote to me on Twitter and was like, why do you keep getting jobs when nobody likes your, <laughs> nobody <laughs> likes your writing? And I was wow. like, it's a re- that's, a really good, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously the people that employ me aren't idiots. I would hope they're not idiots. And um, <laughs> I don't think that there are any kind of accidents. But I tend to write stuff that's polarizes people and um you know like everything from the plays that i've written to the comedy shows that i've i've written um through to you know shane Warne the musical for example you know it split people down the middle you know um people uh loved it some people hated it um uh a lot of the time um you know, with a new idea that's particularly kind of audacious and bold, people sort of hate it, but then eventually um, uh, people can kind of like acclimate to the idea and it, and it becomes a little more palatable. And I don't sort of set out to kind of ruffle any feathers, but it's just this fact of, of my career. If I look back, I've kind of gotten mixed reviews. And so it's very, no one wants to get a, no one wants to get a bad review. Um, also, Technically, reviews aren't really any of my business. Um, and what really matters is what an audience thinks because, I mean, if you had to make a choice as a person that makes a living out of art, you know, um, do you want to have good reviews but have nobody come and see your shows and make no money out of it? Or would you like to have bad reviews and sell your shows and have audiences love it and be able to continue making a living and much as it's great to be critically affirmed it's much better to actually have an audience um and sometimes you don't have to choose between those things sometimes you get an audience and you get a great critical response um so it's it's kind of a complicated thing and i think every artist kind of comes to their own piece or whatever with it but i i must say that um I've always been really philosophical about it because my I remember my first review was so bad um, 
and I really, it was really wounding. And, you know, I was performing that show, so I had to go out on stage, and in my head I thought that everybody had read that review and they were sort of sitting there in judgment of me. And it was awful sort of place to be and I had to get to a point where I was like you can't worry about that stuff I mean now I, I can read reviews of them and there's certainly been like King Kong and like severely negative critical feedback um, but he's working with audiences um, Beetlejuice offended half the um, critics in DC and the other half really loved it And I, but over the course of the season we started to see the kind of audience that we uh, we were attracting, and they were like really interesting, kooky audience, kind of cultish audiences. People coming back multiple times, people who had learnt the songs and would shout out lines and sing songs. Oh, wow. I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it, it was crazy, <laughs> you know. Um, and so there are like lots of different sort of levels of reality you have to deal with. But one thing that is really, um, you know, I was even talking about this last night. I had a had a drink with Alex Timbers, who's the director of Beetlejuice, and we were talking about um, reviewers, and he reminded me of that. Uh, there's a great Teddy Roosevelt quote. I don't know if you know it. Um, it's the one about um, one about the man that's in the arena with you know. I, I'll, I should dig it out and actually quote it because I'm going to paraphrase it terribly, and everyone <laughs> will hate me. But. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like there is something that people who make things know, which is that it is really hard to make stuff. It is really hard to offer it up for judgment. It is hard to get things right. We don't always get things right. But everybody works very, very hard to put their best foot forward creatively. And what happens when you get um, criticized sometimes is it can feel like um, the critical response comes from a kind of a, a really um, – um, sort of some of it comes from quite a heartless, thoughtless place, and that is the hard stuff to do to, to take. Someone that has a has a as smart, critical, um, considered uh, uh, approach to your work, but fucking hates it, is much easier to take than somebody that is like, what What the fuck were these people thinking? They're idiots. You know what I mean? Like, and then they don't they don't actually <laughs> review the the show because nobody sets out to make something bad everybody puts multiple years um for mostly very little remuneration into their work and by the time you know a critic deigns to put his or her ass in a seat for what two and a half hours with interval and then go home and spend let's be generous maybe an hour writing a review it's very little part of their life very small part of their life when you consider the amount of time has gone into it. But I think if you don't make stuff, you don't know. And we mm. were saying that we think that critics should all have to make something. Every one of them should make <laughs> something and offer it up, whether it's writing a book or whether Because I've never, you know, and this is not, you know, there, there's a great maxim that says never, um, you know, never pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. And that's a re- – you cannot win against <laughs> critics. You can't, you know, like um, – mm. Some writers get really incensed about a bad review and they write to the paper and this is disgraceful and, you know, this person's an idiot and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But you cannot win that and it makes you look bad. You really, really, I really think you just have to go, this is none of my business, this review. They can write what they want and you've got to get on with the, with the, 
with the um, with the job at hand, which is just making stuff. But at the same time, it, it is an, it is incredibly um, frustrating when you know that there's a sort of a lack of there's a snark and a lack of respect for makers. And I have infinite respect for anyone that makes anything and offers it up for judgment. It might not be my cup of tea, but I think if I'm being paid to analyze it in a critical way, then you bet your ass, I think that I would have to do my homework. What else has this person written? What are they writing about? What are they trying to say? Why does it work? Why does it not work? You know, inside the context of who we are today and the world that we live in, I think that every piece that you're paid to go and watch deserves that much respect and unfortunately that doesn't that doesn't always happen sometimes it does and a great reviewer is is always great someone that understands your work but at the best of times it's like it's just something you just have to fucking deal with and it's like if it goes your way then good you pull out a quote you put it on the poster you try to sell it if it doesn't go your way you ignore it and you move on it's a tool that either works for you or doesn't work for you but you can't write for reviewers Hey there, it's Amantha here again. I hope you got some useful insights from this extract. For me, there were a couple of things that really stood out. First, I think it's great to be reminded that it's actually a good thing to be polarizing, which Eddie definitely sets out to be in his work. I know that for me, I've had some articles published and also books where I've received some pretty harsh feedback that at the time felt pretty awful. Uh, but, you know, I... I try to remind myself that, hey, it's good to be polarizing. Secondly, while I haven't had a boss for over a decade since starting Inventium, I think it's such good advice for those with a boss in terms of getting feedback from your boss about stuff that he or she doesn't actually have direct experience with. It's like reviewers criticizing art when they've never actually made art themselves. So I think that there's a great opportunity to educate your boss a bit on what goes on in your world and what goes towards doing your job well to help build what can sometimes be much needed empathy with your boss. And finally, I like that Eddie remembered that ultimately it's all about what the audience thinks. So that's a great thing to remember too. What matters most is feedback from your audience, which in your world might be your customer or it might even be fellow employees or someone else perhaps. And while your boss might seem like your customer, they're not actually the reason why you do your job. Your job is to serve the customer as opposed to managing upwards, so to speak. So that is it for today. If you like this extract, you might want to go back and listen to the whole interview with Eddie Perfect. And also, if you liked this episode, you might want to share it with your friends or workmates or boss even uh, who you think could, you know, perhaps benefit from, from this show. So that is it for today and I will see you next time.